welcome to Spiritual Warfare. My name is Teresa. Hi, my name's Kay. We will be reading from the book Made for This by Jenny Allen. Kay, on this third week, we're going to talk about out of control. Oh boy. Start us out, Miss Kay. This is from 2 Corinthians 4, 5 through 6. What we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servant for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge, of the knowledge of God's glory displaying in the face of Christ. Somewhere I picked up the ideal that if things did not feel right or fall perfectly into place, God was not in them. I thought obeying God should feel pretty easy and convenient. For instance, if God was calling you to Rwanda... Oh my gosh, can you just hold on a second? Yeah? Somebody sent me a box at Christmas and it had Rwanda coffee in it. And I was going to send out a group text to the girls and say, did somebody buy me a gift? And I thought, man, do I open this coffee and drink it? Because I had no idea. And then I was with Diana at Kingwood Center. And she picked up her phone and she said, did you get this? I'm like, you're the one who bought me the coffee from Rwanda. This is so cool. It's so good. I'm really sorry. That was another gift. (laughs) I love coffee. (laughs) For instance, if God was calling you to Rwanda, then he would have a buyer for your house in two weeks. And if not, then he likely wasn't in it. Okay, maybe to not that extreme, but if obeying seemed too uncomfortable, I likely would have decided that it wasn't from God. Where did I get that? In Scripture, God promises we will have trouble in this world. Christ said, If you are for me, then the world will be against you. If you're not willing to lose everything you have, including your life, don't even follow me. Expect persecution and consider that a privilege. All my life, I thought I had God's stamp of approval because my life wasn't going badly. Suddenly, I was faced with the fear that it might actually be the opposite. What if my life was going so beautifully because I wasn't chasing after God? Even though the thousand problems in my soul had shifted towards one goal and one hope, I felt free. I had a new problem. Life was getting hard. The pace was picking up and I felt reluctant. As I began this journey, I wrote on May 5th, 2009, what if he actually told me what it is he wants me to do and I don't want to do it? We are in a vulnerable spot. We have told him we will do anything. Go. Stay. Speak. Be quiet. Stand up. Sit down. Redeem children. Redeem dirty dishes. Something big. Something small. Anything drastic. Nothing fancy. Anything. I want to know Christ. Yes. And the power of his resurrection. Yes. And the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. Um, maybe. Becoming like him in his death. Not at all. 
could I have Starbucks while I decide? <laughs> that's <was> perfect. <laughs> that's perfect for Teresa. Uh-huh. That would uh-huh. be so me. <laughs> yes, it would. Oh, and somehow uh. <laughs> to attain to the resurrection of the dead. Big yes. Please, somehow God save me. Some days I am willing and some days I feel reluctant. Maybe I could do whatever big or small things if he would help me. God, overcome me, please. Lindsay's story. Lindsay and her husband, Chris, were in their comfort zone. They were teaching and coaching at a private Christian school they loved, and their kids were settled in and thriving. The arrival of a precious new baby made finances tight, but they committed to doing what it took to stay where they were and keep their kids enrolled in their school. Then Lindsay prayed the anything prayer and started feeling restless for something bigger. She felt overwhelmed with the sense that God had more in store for them. We felt God was stirring our hearts to move us forward to something new. She wrote to me, but we just didn't know yet. Then circumstances overcame them. At a time when they felt they had no choices financially, they were both offered jobs at a public school that looked nothing like what they dreamed of. It was such a hard decision to leave, she said. We always thought the only way the Lord would move us was through his favor and getting us a job that was a step up. But that is not the way it was panning out. God moved us through disappointment, the reality that we just financially could no longer sustain working there. So many tears were crying and wondering what God was doing, where he was in all of this, and why would he move us from somewhere we loved and believed into somewhere that was difficult and completely absent of a Christ-centered community even for our children who had to move schools with us. Fast forward further into Lindsay's journey. When she began to feel the threads of her life and talents weaving into a bigger dream, working at the college level, when a position finally opened up at her ideal school, the Christian college where she and her husband had gone, she fought back crippling doubts, inadequacy, and insecurity to apply. She felt in no way qualified, but she held on for dear life to Paul's instructions to fan into the flames the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Then after rounds of interviews... She was selected as the new associate dean of the school. We came to find out, she wrote, that I was most appealing to the college because I had seen both sides of education, Christian and public school. One one thing we have learned through all this is that God orchestrates every season and experience in our lives according to his perfect plan. Even when it does not always make sense, God moves through disappointment, she says. Faith in the unseen and in the waiting I've learned is all part of this journey of life and sanctification. 
Now, here's to new adventures. Hold on and scream. Risk is terrifying. I had prayed the prayer of anything as though I were about to launch onto the Superman ride at Six Flags. <laughs> My eyes closed tight and fingernails digging in. I was so afraid. I can just imagine God thinking something like, Thanks a lot, Jenny. Great. You'll be used by me, but no one else will ever want to because you are making it look so terrifying. But on the other hand, maybe he was thinking, I love that she realizes she's going to need me for this. Yes, we are inadequate. On the edge of risk, you'll always feel it, but we aren't powered by ourselves. And taking the risk and praying anything, I was strapped in and couldn't get off. My heart raced and I thought I might throw up. (laughs) Yet all I had to do was hold on and scream. The ride did the work. I just held on and screamed. As I did, God showed up. We began to know him. We began to live out one of my favorite seminary professors had told us about knowing God. The only exercise that works 100% of the time to draw one close to the real God is risk. To risk is to willingly place your life in the hand of an unseen God and an unknown future and then watch him come through. He starts to get real. When you live like that. When he said that to our class in the lecture hall, we were all speechless. Knowing God, really knowing him was getting more complicated. But if he is real, if he was God, then certainly he was worth knowing. Not just the facts, but knowing what it was like to launch on the ride and have his hand alone holding us up. Scripture describes a radical, reoriented life for those who trust Christ. One full of living for the invisible and the future. It's a life fully surrendered to an invisible God whose agenda contradicts mine. A life very different from the safe, comfortable one I found myself creating. And I think, hey, a lot of people, if you look at this to... Know if God is really with you. Pray to him and tell him something only between you and him. Okay? Something that you need. I needed money once for a water bill. I told nobody. No one but God. And it was an off-the-wall amount. This was like 30 years ago. $11.37. If you want to really test God or know that he's with you and he wants to lead you, The pastor walked up to me. I was sitting in the pew and he said, Teresa, I have no idea what this is. He said, I was asked to give this to you. And here it is. So I get home. I open it up. $11.37 for my water bill. That's how I know there's a God. I didn't tell my friends, hey, Kay, I'm short for my water bill. I only told God. And when he gives you exact $11.37, You know there's a God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I just get chills every time I think about that because there's been a time I wanted to die. I wanted to commit suicide. I really did. I didn't want to live anymore and I was going to drive off of a cliff. And it was like God was telling me, I'm real. You know I'm real. I have spoken directly to you. And he did in a dream. And he was telling me, (laughs) 
I was 18. I gave my life to the Lord at 15 and then turned 18 and went crazy wild out drinking and partying and everything. And he came to me in a dream and he spoke literally. The heavens opened up and it was like a light. I didn't see a face. And he said, you have one more chance. And I said, one more chance for what? To to get saved, to go back to church, what? He said, you have one more chance. He closed the heavens up. And I was living with a friend, a girlfriend, and we were partying seven days a week. I got up and I moved back home and I started back to church. I had walked away. Have I fallen since then? Oh, yes. Have I done drugs and drank since I moved back at 18 when he spoke to me? Yes, I have. Uh, Lately, no, I haven't. (laughs) I'm saying in my 30s and stuff like that, just going through a a lot of heartache. I know there's a God. There's no ifs, ands, buts about it. And he knew that he needed to talk to me to tell me that. Because if he wouldn't have, I probably would have drove off the cliff. Okay, because he said, who is going to take care of Nicholas when you do this? And I said, God, I can't go on anymore like this. I can't. And, you know, people say also when people commit suicide, I can't believe they were that selfish. They have five kids at home. They have a husband. Look what it did to their mothers. I'm here to tell you when you are in that frame of mind and ready to kill yourself. You don't think about that. You don't. You're in a state of mind to where you're done. And nothing, none of your family, your kids, none of that comes to your mind. It doesn't. It takes all you have to hold on to take another step in life. I just know that there is a God and he had to show me And that's why I'm here today, because if he truly, I mean, yes, I went to church. I knew there was a God. And that's why I went to spiritual warfare, because one day when I was in church, a lady got up and she was possessed by demons and she started talking in a man's voice. I have seen all this and I know it's real. Some people have not experienced it. But this is the life I like. This has been a crazy, crazy journey. So many hard times, I cannot even tell you. (laughs) My friends know. (laughs) But um, I don't even know why I went off on that, Kate. Go ahead. I believe you're helping somebody here that's listening with us here today. uh, um, Like she's telling us here. Stepping out holy. Stepping out. But then just... It is is not going to be easy. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt when you surrender yourself completely. Stepping out wholly dependent on God to come through. Stepping away from what is secure and comfortable exposes the holes in our faith. And then when God comes through, it expands our faith. We see him move in greater ways. When we risk and he shows up, we see him differently than if we were standing safely looking on. Amen. Amen to that. So, Kay, next week, the questions we would like people to think about is, recall a time when you were glad God trumped you in your life. Describe an experience that helped you to realize that your life was completely out of control. (laughs) 
Oh, just what I just shared. It was completely out of control and I couldn't, right. I didn't think I could take it anymore. I, I'm going to say that. Um, I thought, it, yeah, it was over. Where is your faith currently being tested? What precious thing might you have missed if you had been afraid to risk? Take a moment to give thanks for that and ask God to empower you to continue living for things you can't yet see. The question everyone asks themselves when looking over the cliff before jumping into the unknown deep is what do I have to lose? What are you most afraid of losing in your life? List them under each subject. These are the five subjects. Kay, tell them what the five subjects are to list things under. Comfort, success, approval, acceptance, and other. All of this comes down to identity. Who are you apart from your things, your image, your people, and your plans? Are you secure alone with God? Freedom comes through letting go. Read and reflect. This journey never stops being terrifying. It isn't the brave ones who pray just anything prayer. It's the ones who believe God. Amen. These days I hear a lot about bravery, but no matter how risky my faith has become, I never once felt especially brave or courageous. The only thing that enables me to walk forward is having my eyes fixed on Jesus. The opposite of fear is not bravery and courage. The opposite of fear is faith. This week, read 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 18. In his letter to the Corinthians, how did Paul's understanding of Christ and the gospel affect his view of himself, the purpose of his life, the way he suffers? After reading these passages, consider the answers to these two questions. Who are you, Lord? What do you want from me? This has been good. This has been good this week. Next week, we will talk about anything for his glory. Thank you for joining us today and have a blessed week.